0: Welcome to Revival Train. We are a group gathered together to talk about life with God and what revival means to us. You know that if we want revival, we have to be the revival.
1: Is there anything anybody would like to share?
2: Anything that that has happened recently? Anything that that you didn't think about last time or you have thought of since last time? Hannah,
3: say that thing you said. Say that thing you said, Hannah. Even though I trusted
2: everyone.
3: What'd I say? After we left, and we were in the car last time, and you said about, um... The thing um, that you texted everyone? Yeah, so everyone already heard it, but you, like, you might want to explain it better. Um, when you said that, <laughs> she's like, Mom, I it, Mom. When you said that, um, why do bad things happen to good people?
1: Because there aren't any, aren't any good people.
3: Yeah.
1: Because yeah. the Bible says there's
4: nobody good. Yep.
3: Yeah. Nobody's anyway. mm-hmm. I heard somebody say one time, um, well, bad things do happen to good people, but it only happened once, because Jesus was good and something
2: bad happened, yep. mm-hmm. But and that's the thing too, because there still are consequences on other people because of the things people do. Mm-hmm. So if they do something wrong, they're going to have those consequences on good people doesn't like regardless even though they aren't good mm-hmm. but even for jesus other people's consequences still hit him as well
4: yeah i heard somebody say one time God, uh, people always ask me god was real why didn't he just come down and show us he did and we <laughs> killed him <laughs> yeah
3: that's a good
5: one uh, well you think what happen now <laughs> yeah that would
1: be even worse honestly
5: if he came down the
0: same way yeah
4: uh, mm-hmm. yeah he, I always... he will Oh yeah. You welcome to show us, yeah. but you're not gonna
0: you want, to, be for want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: I always tell Mitch, you're a good man, and then he says, I'm "Not a good man, but by my standard, you're a good man." <laughs> <laughs> but I had something I wanted to share with you guys, um, so I have to read it, and it'll
4: take a little
3: while, but like probably 20 years ago, something like that. I was working at J.J. Keller, and I had a friend there that was just she just like really loved the Lord, and she gave me this commentary. It's like you guys probably know the commentaries, but it's like you read like some verses, and then it'll explain them. And then sometimes you know there's some really cool background, like this word you know, and the original Greek meant this or whatever. It's like an encyclopedia for Bibles. Sort. It's like a reference thing, you know, but. This guy that um, did these commentaries, he's a pastor, and um, so there's the commentary, and then there's also these little topical sections where it's like a sermon. A lot of these I'd read, and then I'd listen to them online, and I'd be like, hey, that's that's a sermon. (laughs) So it was like, it was like word for word. They must have, like, when he did the sermon, like, dictated it, you know, like, has it in here, but... um, (coughs) Anyway, um, I've gotten a lot out of this commentary, and I just really like this one section. So whenever I give somebody this commentary, I'm always like, "This is my favorite," so you have to read this. But um, and I actually ordered some of these for you guys, so I'm gonna actually be giving anybody that wants to oh, one. Oh, thank you. <laughs>
4: so um she's gonna make you read it too <laughs>
3: and i'll enjoy it <laughs> yeah so the verses he's talking about are matthew 13:44 through 46. Um,
4: just a second and all his stuff here is on old mm, james this is actually really useful um especially when you're going through your quiet times because there have been so many times where i've read something and i'm like well that doesn't make any sense and usually there's an answer for it in there
3: Last year, I was reading Jeremiah, and I didn't really take the time to read through, like, the background because I was trying to get through the Bible in two years, and I was almost done. <laughs> <laughs> and Hannah was reading Jeremiah at the same time, but she was, like, taking her time and, like, going through the commentary, and I was like, oh, aren't you having such a hard time? And she's like, no, it's so interesting. <laughs> like, that's because you're doing the, the homework the right way, but. <laughs> um, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure, hid in a field, the which, when a man hath found, he hideth. I'm sorry, I'm so used to New King James, I have a hard time. Um, so this is one of the parables Jesus is reading about the treasure hidden in the field. Um, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So in the first one, he bought the field because there was treasure somewhere in that field. So he bought the whole field to get the treasure. And then in the next one, um, he found the pearl of great price so he sold everything he had to get that pearl so then that's the background but <clears throat> one morning years ago when the first heavy dew of the season had fallen in jacksonville oregon my then three-year-old daughter mary elizabeth looked out the window and saw the wet grass with excitement in her voice she said mommy mommy god made the whole world wet Then her little forehead furrowed. Looking rather puzzled, she said, but you forgot to dry it. I think like Mary, we sometimes look around with a smile on our face and say, wow, look what God made. I was reading about the screech owl, when unlike, which unlike our spotted owl resides in cities and towns on the east coast. They're very prolific, but little bugs and maggots can infect and devastate their entire population. To counteract the maggots and bugs, the screech owl ingenuously gathers little snakes called blind snakes and takes them to his nest. The blind snake just so happens to love maggots, larvae, and little bugs. So he lives inside the nest along with the screech owl. They dwell together symbiotically, mutually beneficial to each other. Who taught the screech owl to go after that particular snake and drop it in the tree trunk in which he's building his nest? I know owls are wise, but they're not that smart. Such understanding was programmed into the owl by an ingenuous master, maker, a creator. Consider also the Alaskan blackfish. The Alaskan blackfish, which lives in ponds and streams that freeze over every winter, has the amazing ability to freeze right along with a pond or stream for up to 45 minutes. Then he thaws out and continues with his life. These fish have been given the ability to go with the flow in a remarkable way. Finally, consider the spider. The spider spins a web made of a sticky substance that traps insects and bugs for his dinner. Why isn't the spider caught in his own web? Ingenuously built into his little spider feet are tiny oil glands that secrete a minuscule (laughs) amount of oil, allowing him to move over his own web without being caught. I watch the spider, I see the owl, and I hear the blackfish, and I marvel and say, Oh Lord, you are a master creator. But sometimes I look around, and like Mary Elizabeth, my brow begins to furrow, and I say, God, you made this world, but you forgot to dry it. Why did Hurricane Hugo slam through the Caribbean, causing death and misery for countless thousands? Why are there volcanoes that erupt and wipe out entire villages in the Polynesian Islands? Why are thousands of babies born, addicted to crack cocaine each year? If you're a God who is so ingenuous and powerful, why do these things happen? People look around and see tragedy, war, rape, disease, difficulty and say, if there is a God who made this world, then how come he doesn't dry it? Why doesn't he take better care of it? Why are these things allowed to happen? To find the answer, you need to go back to the beginning, back to the book of Genesis. Here we read of a man who literally had the Spirit of God breathed into him, a man who was never polluted by sin, a man born without a sin nature. He was, in a sense, a champion for you and me. His name was Adam. God gave Adam the authority, the opportunity, and the responsibility to oversee, tend, and rule this planet. But God came to Adam to tempt him. But, sorry, Satan came to Adam <laughs> to tempt him, and Adam submitted to Satan, when he ate of the forbidden fruit. The Bible says, to whom you submit of him, you become the servant. When Adam submitted to Satan, he became the servant of Satan and handed to him the title deed, the authority, and the dominion of this planet. Thus, the ownership of the world changed hands from God to man to Satan. Why are there rape and hatred? Why is there starvation in Ethiopia. Why is there AIDS? You can tell this is written a long time ago. It's the enemy who has caused the problems, pollution and plagues that descend upon us. <coughs> when Jesus stilled the storms in Luke's gospel, he said, be still, or literally be muzzled, which is the same phrase he used whenever he encountered demonic activity. Therefore, I suggest to you, the implication is clearly that many of these storms that bring about devastation and destruction are not acts of God, as insurance companies refer to them, but acts of Satan, God gets a bad rap and gets blamed for what the enemy does. Will the title deed to the earth remain in the devil's grasp forever? This is the really cool part. <laughs> Revelation 5 gives us the answer. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. Now, what is this book, or literally scroll? Jeremiah 32 identifies it as a title deed to a piece of property. The scroll sealed with seven seals is the title deed to planet Earth. Why is it written on the outside as well as the inside? In Old Testament times, if you lost your property due to hardship or bankruptcy, the deed would be scrolled and sealed with seven seals on the outside would be written all of your financial obligations you would have to meet them within seven years in order to redeem your property if those qualifications were met the person who took the possession of your property was required by law to return it to you such a transaction took place in the temple where the qualifications on the outside of the scroll were read before the people in heaven the ultimate temple there is a scroll sealed seven times it is the title deed to the earth, which was given to Adam, who in turn past it unto Satan. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? In other words, who can meet the requirements? Who is worthy to take back the title deed of earth from Satan? Notice it doesn't say who is willing. Many men have been willing to try to take control of the world. Alexander the Great, Genghis Khan, Napoleon, Hitler. They were all willing to take control, believing that they could bring the world into a new level of glory or grandeur. The angel is not asking who's willing. The angel asks who is worthy. Revelation 5, 3, and 4. And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open the book, neither to look thereon. John wept at the thought of the world indefinitely in the hand and control and the dominion of the enemy, so much so that the Greek word translated wept means sobbing and agony. You mean poverty will continue, hunger will abound, disease will persist, and hate will be perpetuated. There will be wars, anxiety, tension, trauma, death, disease, and destruction forever. John wept because no one was worthy to wrest the scroll from the hand of the enemy. As you read the papers, the editorials, and the news magazines today, no doubt your heart breaks as well. This can't go on. Hurt, pain, sorrow, and evil can't go on forever. Revelation 5, 5 5-7, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, hath prevailed to open the book, and to loose the seven seals thereof. And he came, and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Jesus comes forward, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, saying, I will redeem the scroll. And the rest of chapter five is a glorious outpouring of praise, adoration and thanksgiving that someone was able to take the title deed of the planet. Worthy is the lamb. He alone is worthy. How did he do it? Look back at Matthew 13, where Jesus gives a one verse parable that explains the redemptive process. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hidden in a field, in which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for the joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. In Jesus' day, if a man had wealth, he would bury it in a field to keep it safe from thieves. The man in this parable stumbled across one such treasure chest and realized, wow, someone has left treasure here. With joy, he bought the field in order to get the treasure. He gave everything he had because he knew within the field lay a treasure of great value. What is the field? In a previous parable, Jesus identified the field as the world. Who is the man? Jesus Christ. Think with me for a moment. The first Adam sold us out. Jesus Christ, the last Adam, bought us back. The first Adam ate of a forbidden tree and handed humanity to the enemy. The last Adam hung on a tree to redeem humanity from the enemy. Through the first Adam, the ground was cursed. For our sake, the last Adam became a curse. Sin through the first Adam produced thorns. God through the last Adam buried those thorns in his own brow. Why? So he could, with his own pure blood, appear before the Father in the temple of heaven and declare, I am worthy to take the scroll. You see... The price for the redemption of the world was not a million dollars, not 10 billion dollars, not a zillion dollars. It was death. Why did Jesus want the world? He certainly doesn't need this planet, which in many places has been polluted beyond repair. He didn't want another planet just to camp out on. There are a million planets he's created and a billion more he could speak into existence. What did he want? He bought the planet for the treasure. What was the treasure? you are. Jesus came, gave everything he had, was slaughtered like a lamb in order that he might pay the price for the title deed to this earth. Remember, er, I'm sorry, because he wanted this planet, no, because he wanted you. You are his treasure. You are the treasure he purchased with his own blood. When the enemy whispers in your ear that you're not worth anything, please understand this. Jesus walking through this world saw you, And was so excited about you and so in love with you that he sold everything to buy this whole world in order to take you the treasure out of it maybe you're saying that might be true theologically but i couldn't be of much of a treasure to him i'm always messing up missing the mark and blowing it i'm just an irritation to him look at the next verse again the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Who is the one who sold all that he had to purchase the pearl? Jesus. And who is the pearl? You are. A pearl begins as nothing more than an irritating speck of sand in the shell of an oyster. The oyster coats this troublesome speck with a layer layer upon layer of a crystalline substance called knacker, which hardens and becomes the actual pearl. Interestingly, the more irritating the grain of sand, the more beautiful the pearl. You are the pearl of great price. When you asked the Lord to come into your life, you became robed with His righteousness and surrounded by His goodness. Although you might feel as though you're terribly irritating, you are actually a trophy of His glory. You are a gem of His grace. And all of the cosmos looks at you and says, Wow! Glory be to the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb, hallelujah to the Lamb who took that little speck of sand and made it a pearl of great price. God loves you again. Paul said he demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When did Jesus die for us? Not when we were going to church, not when we were reading the word, not when we were praying. He looked at us when we were nothing more than an irritation and said, I love you, and I'll give all that I have to redeem you, my treasure. That's one thing that there's one thing that will ruin a pearl, it's perspiration. So too, one thing will ruin your beauty in the Lord, perspiring, sweating, or trying to prove you're worthy of his blessing, trying to prove it's my spirituality, my energy, my togetherness that makes me so wonderful. No, the pearl is destroyed, eaten away, decayed by sweat. What you need is not to sweat it out, but just let it out. Release praise, thanksgiving, appreciation, adoration. Sing, mm-hmm. "Thank you, Lord, for seeing me as a pearl. I'm not going to try to earn it or add to it. I don't even understand it, but I am forever grateful. Be a pearl for His glory in Jesus' name." And
5: that's
3: pretty cool, isn't that that's awesome? Cool. I had never looked at those parables that way until I read that. I thought He You know, he bought the field to get the treasure. Mm -hmm. I always interpreted it a different way as like, like he's the treasure, but it makes so much more sense that way, you know, when they explain
2: like,
3: the world is like the field, you know.
2: So pretty much everything, like God put something on my heart, what was it? It was, it had to be yesterday. Mm Hmm. And a little bit of a little bit of yesterday, and then really solidified it today, on like everything that I needed to say and how I needed to say it. And a lot of what you just said was, first of all, directly related, and honestly, the main topic of what I'm going to talk about. Wow. And even even silly illustrations like what Micah said when um, he was talking about Silver Bowl. Where, like, when he's like, oh, yeah, he, when the cat, like, knows that they look good, they, they, like, like to show it off. That is actually going to be a key thing. Because, and, including the other thing about how we were just talking about how there's no one that's good, that also is directly related. So, every single thing that we've said so far is directly related to what I'm going to talk about. So... What God has been putting on my heart was actually one of the things that He had me do um, when I was told to go to Tennessee and all that, which I can tell you guys a lot more about that story for the people that don't know another time. But for this specific part of it, this is like halfway in the kind of like in the middle of my trip. I was gone for like a month ish, and like so somewhere in the middle there. He gave me, like, because basically I was really, really frustrated because I had been asking God for, for a long time before he told me to leave. I'm like, okay, God, you say that we have this authority in you that we should be able to do different things. Like, there should be signs and wonders in the earth. There should be, like, we should be able to hear you. We should be able to, like, see more, like, of you manifest on the earth. Like, this, it that's what the Bible says, and it doesn't say that ever stopped. So why does it look like it stopped? And I was really, really asking him, like, you gotta show me this if it's real. Otherwise I'm just gonna assume it's not. Because if it's if it's real, then I should be able to be a part of that. That's what I told him. And I told him that for a long time. And eventually he told me and it was like the first time I truly like understood that I heard God's voice and he was telling me to leave. And so that's what I did. Once I once he told me where to go, I left. And then the first week or so, nothing happened, practically nothing at all, and I was so like broken because I like didn't know what to do. I I literally quit my job, and nothing was going on, and I'm like, God, what's what's happening here? It's like I did. There was a couple things that that happened were that were really amazing. And I'll tell it some other time. but around this time of the trip is about the middle, he told me that the main thing that I needed to work on was that I needed to see myself how God saw me. Mm. And I never really thought about it before. Like, well, how does God see me? But once we become a child of God, we don't have sin is not on us anymore. That was completely washed away. It's completely covered. God doesn't even see us with the sin. He sees us as he sees Jesus sinless. He sees us as we're sinless, even though we're we're not. We have done things. We we have a past. Things have happened, and we still struggle with our sin nature. But that's not how God sees us. He sees us as co-heirs with Christ and as uh, like spotless because that's what He was. And I trying to wrap my mind around that, it was so 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 hard. Because I just, I never really thought about it in that way before. And it was really, really hard to try and think about myself the way that God saw me. Because then I had to think of myself. I had to let go of all of like the guilt of things that I've done. I had to let go of my past. I had to let go of every single thing that I ever thought that I did that was wrong. I had to let it go and give it all to God. And even though I've heard people say things like that before, it never made it as personal as in that moment. Because I needed to truly let it go and not even identify myself as being someone that was in that or did that. Like, and I'm not saying that those things never happen and to completely ignore them and never bring them up because that's part of your testimony. However, like when I like it changes the way that you see yourself, like with Silver Bowl, if, if you see yourself as you are a perfect child of God and that he has completely redeemed you, and that you now walk a completely different life you are not even of this world even though you live in the world you are from a different place you don't even belong here but you're here as a representative of jesus that changes everything that changes everything just like so how he thinks he's so cute and adorable yeah. he will he will be like high and mighty <laughs> he'll show himself <laughs> off and stuff. So, but like seriously we should, when we have that identity in Christ, we should be walking every single day with our head held high, knowing this is who I am. This is like who I've become. And it's not about like, like, oh, look at me. This is who I am. That's not it at all. Because we know how we got there. Jesus transforms. Look at what he did for me. Look at this. Look at who I am now. And that is like the outlook that we should be having for everything. And that's going to change literally the way that we live life fundamentally. It's going to change the way that we interact with people. It's going to change the way that we think about every single little thing in our life. And that's the number one step in order to like learn how to um, do different things that God wants you to do that seem impossible if you want to be able to do the impossible, then you have to be completely aligned with Jesus. And you actually have to have like that connection where you're actually aligned and you feel that, yes, I can do this because Jesus did this and Jesus has made me like him. And now because he did that, he gave me that authority, he gave me that power, now I can do this because that's who I am. And that changed how I saw everything. And once I figured that out on my trip, everything changed after that. Like everything after that, there were so many things that happened. uh, That's a whole nother thing that I'll have to go into sometime. But that was the biggest thing that he really wanted me to bring to the table today as something that we needed to not only just recognize, but we needed to implement. Like this has to, has to happen. If we don't do this, we're missing out on what God has for us. Because if we don't even know who we are, then we're not gonna be able to do what we need to do. And that's just fundamental. So that's why I really had to stress that. And I know that he made such a big deal about it. But, it's really cool, is um, I highlighted a verse, and it's in Revelation five. <laughs> wow. And yeah, which is literally where you were reading. And everything went up to, like, just before the verse that I highlighted. Wow. I know, I know. It's pretty crazy. Um, But, like, where he was, John was, like, saying, like, who's worthy to open the book and everything. And then when they all, like, realized that, like, Jesus is the one who is able to open open the book and everything, um... It says in verse nine, and they sung a new song, saying, "Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, and was, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth." That is what he has given to us, because he was the one who has been worthy to take the book. Now that he has taken that, he has given to us and made us kings and priests, and we will reign on the earth because of what he's done for us. Like, that it was just, like, I don't know. It just, like, really blew my mind and gave me a whole new perspective on that. And then I think I, like, highlighted another one, too. But, yeah, also, I mean, obviously there's the the verses where, um, like, Old things are passed away and all things are become new once we like are part of God's family and that I mean it's the same thing like we were one way we used to be like sinners and we were all like defiled and wrong and like in sin and that's who we were but that's not who we are anymore even when we sin then it it should be something where you go to God immediately and be like God I, I repent of this and then like it's over and done and you're right back to where you were and that thing is completely forgotten it's not something you need to stress over you shouldn't be thinking about it It, because that's all that the enemy wants to do they want you to be focused on all the things that you did wrong and all the things that you might do wrong in the future that's so not you and that's not who you're supposed to be and who you're going to be and who you are if you are part of jesus and his family Mm -hmm. like if you are a part of that then you don't have to have that identity ever, like at all. And when those things happen that are not of God, it should be addressed and given to God, and then it should be thought of no more because that should not have any weight or any consequence on where you are, like on a mindset and where you are. Because basically, if you, if you put yourself in like a place where you think I'm still unworthy. Oh, I, I, I'm still like, you know, I'm just like a sinner that, you know, like, thank goodness God saved me and stuff like, but that's all great. But you're basically saying that like, I accept that I do sin every so often, instead of rejecting the sin as a whole. You know what I'm saying? It's like a mindset. It's like where you have to basically push out those thoughts of like no i'm not going to sin anymore even though that's not realistic but like to change the way that you see that because you want to give that you want to give god the the power and the glory that he is capable of changing you fundamentally and capable of bringing you to a new place and completely leaving all of the darkness behind you and that it does not have any weight on you anymore because even if the world doesn't see you that way, that's the way that God sees you. And who cares what the world thinks when God sees you as the as spotless? And that's basically where I want to leave it. Hmm. Any thoughts?
3: I was thinking of, um... Like, when I was... When I was younger, I heard... I was in a Bible study like this one time, and I heard it kind of explained, like, um... Once you're a child of God and you you sin, it's kind of like if your parent told you, like, you're not allowed to take the car, like you asked for the car, no, you're not allowed to take the car. And so then you disobey and you take the car anyway and, you know, you crash it or something and you bring the car home and you know that your dad is still your dad like he still loves you but your your relationship is broken but you're never going to stop being your the son or daughter of your dad you know you're always going to belong to your parents or whatever but using
2: right and that's why i think it's super important that like when when you're in that place where you are in that like perfect relationship And then you do something to break that immediately. It should be something that you really want to get fixed right away because there's no point in waiting and you don't even have to feel bad. Like, oh, well, I just sinned like a little bit ago. And then I got right with God and then I sinned again. It's like, oh, but like, I don't know if I can go back to God now because like, yeah, I just, I just can't like, I, like, I feel too bad about it. it, God doesn't see that at all. The other thing has already been gone and done. And now it's broken because of this one thing. So you fix the one thing, and you get right back on that path with God. And God is going to help you fix up and clean up your life. And it's not something that you need to, like, stress over. Like, for yourself, you just need to let God help you. And, like, bring God into that whole fight. And so that way you don't have to do it alone. Because if you're trying to do it alone, you're never going to get anywhere. It's just reality. Because there's...
4: Sorry, go ahead. No, go for it. I was just going to say, we need to stop thinking it, that God's love is so fragile that we yeah, can screw it up. Yeah,
2: right, exactly. I mean,
4: he watched his son die.
2: Yeah. No, that's so true, though. I wish I could
4: stay. I have to go. Yeah,
2: go for
3: it. But, um, that's for you. Um, oh, no, thank you. Thank yeah. you for sharing
2: yeah. Yes, thank you.
4: Yeah. yeah. the food, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. No yeah. Problem. I didn't bring all this food. These aren't my keys, Revelation yeah, is there. such a complex book. You really, can spend your whole life just studying awesome. Revelation. Yeah, and am so really is yeah. Revelation even
2: that big of a book? No, not really. I was gonna say, but there's just so one. much in
4: it. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's no, crazy. It's just, yeah. Yeah. It's just it's want to say.
2: So I must say, if you try and visualize some of the things that John sees in Revelation, it's it, a lot better. Yeah, it is crazy. Yeah. It is actually insane. Especially, like, the ones in, like, the earlier chapters where it talks about him and his experiences in heaven. It is amazing. Yeah. And some of the things that he sees, if you try and visualize it in, like, multiple ways, because, like, there's only so much you can put into words when you see something like that. But it's just, it is incredible.
4: John said himself in, uh, in Revelation that he he couldn't possibly describe all of it because he was limited to human words. Our uh we went through Revelation in high school and our Bible teacher, bless you, um he showed us different artist renditions of the same verse and they all looked different. It was insane. It's mm-hmm. it's crazy. It's so cool though. Yep. Hello there. <sighs> See the thing about silver bolts is something to say. Yeah. Such as the side. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Wiggle>. <laughs> exactly. I was sniffling. Hey, Hello? Wiggling. You definitely a little Well, before the loud people get talking again, do any quiet people want to say anything? I just, I feel bad sometimes. People get drowned out.
2: Yeah, that's kind of why I've been leaving it open so yeah. that way somebody can say something if they want to say it.
1: Yeah. Well, I have been... Um, I told Marcus somewhat about this, but I have been... Um, it was ever since, I think... I don't know. It's probably been two-ish weeks. And it was the time that... We was, it was after D&D, and we had gone upstairs and we were talking to Mr. Graff, and we were just talk all talking in the kitchen, whatever. And... He had said something about like i think it was talking about you where you like you pray for people you know mm-hmm. i think was it Hannah? oh no it was gracie gracie yeah. i know it was one of the sisters yeah one of the sisters. but so it's talking about that oh, and
4: convulsive.
1: yeah and i was like you know that would be like something that i would really want to try and do and like see if i could do it and It took a couple of days, but I was just, I asked him, I was like, hey, can you just give me, like, just give me a name, anyone, I don't know, I do know, literally just anyone, and he started giving me names of people to, like, pray over. It hasn't been every night, obviously, but it's, you really have to, like, concentrate and focus into it, and then he would just, like, just random names would pop into my head. Like, some of them, um, and I'll put it on my phone. I started writing some of them down. Some nights I would just, like, pass out, and I wouldn't be able to get it. But one of them was Jessica Jones, uh, Brian Simmons. Don't know who that is. He gave you last names, too. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was my cousin, Sophie, was her name. One of them, I just wrote a question mark, because that was, I think, the first night that we did, so, like, last Tuesday... When I got home at, like, what time did we get home? Whenever it was. And I, yeah, I asked. And he gave me something, and I passed out. But the weird thing was, that was, it was, like, a foreign name. Like, I didn't even know how to, like, pronounce it. That's all I remember. Like, I had no idea. And then it was just a random guy that I used to go to school with was the last one. But then, so last night I asked, I was like, okay, give me something. And first he said Isaiah. So I was like, okay, are you going to give me a last name or whatever? But then he gave me a number, so he gave me Isaiah six eleven, so a verse. Oh, cool! But I just I, I don't exactly know what it means obviously yet, and I also I don't have a Bible app on this, because <laughs> it's on my iPad. I'm so excited! I'm
4: like I know what Isaiah means next. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what even? It, I don't. Oh no, not eleven six. I want six eleven.
4: Maybe that's why it doesn't make
0: sense. Then I said, <laughs> Lord, how long? And he answered, Until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitants, the houses are without a man, the land is utterly desolate. The Lord hath removed men far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. But yet a tenth will, a tenth will be in it, and will return and be for consumed. That is a ter, ter- a, a of that. That of the yeah, like
1: that. so that's what I was given. And I was looking at a different, uh, like you know, version of the Bible, so it said something different, but basically the same gist. Yeah. So well, don't
2: m- wait more than just one burger. Yeah,
0: I did. I can't yeah. I, I remember. I was gonna say
4: that's a long verse.
0: Yeah, yeah. no that's that was several verses. <laughs> no, I just read to the end of the chapter because I thought it was interesting. Yeah but uh but yeah like the, the, just 11 is and i said lord how long and he answered until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitants the houses are without a man the land utterly desert that is that is verse 11 so
4: yeah
0: it's very interesting because i know i've asked that question yeah <laughs> very recently uh lord, i don't know maybe was an
1: answer but yeah that's, that
4: is what's been going on. What's the. Does anyone know, like, context around that? Like, what's going on in that chapter?
0: Uh,
4: we can look it up in the commentary, actually.
0: It's. Well, like, the first. first uh, no, actually, that's, um, that's the Testament commentary. Oh, that's us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> uh. This, this chapter is the title of this little, like, the little thing that they put in there is Isaiah called to be a prophet so it's actually like Isaiah's calling chapter as so, like the entire entire thing is about how he's being called to be a prophet actually
4: Hmm.
0: so very cool and he's basically described, like basically telling uh, uh, telling Isaiah what he's going to have to deal with this, what he's gonna like he's going to have to keep doing this and then he's like how long and he's like well i um, thought destroyed yeah so um a couple things real quick first of all
2: oh. as far as the commentary goes i actually um just going to be blatantly honest with you guys i will not use a commentary until it's the last resort yeah. i always I, will. I i agree because the reason i won't do it is because i'm tired of having other people tell me how a verse is supposed to be and not having God tell me how the verse is supposed to be first and then getting other people's opinions and seeing if there's even more of a deeper meaning that I didn't see the first time. Right. Because I think there are multiple ways that that God will put messages in the same verses for all sorts of different times in history. And if you just read what somebody else tells you about the verse, then you're going to miss all the other things if you don't keep looking. Yep. So I have to use that last, and that's how I'm always going to do it.
0: Like if someone like was reading a commentary, and wanted to share something cool. Like, yes. Like exactly. Like, 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 like that. That, that, that yes. would have been, That's awesome. Yes. But like, yeah, I agree with Marcus in the fact that that's not what I'm going to choose to study the Bible with. Yes. You know, with the commentary right now, because I feel like like I feel, the same I feel like that. I
2: need to hear God first, and I need to go to Him to understand it first. And if I need some other opinions or want other opinions, just to see. Like other perspectives and see other angles on the verse, I will do that. But that will be the last thing I look at.
1: Yeah, it's more like a secondary
2: source. Right. Because commentaries aren't the Bible, right? Yes. Yeah. And I my opinion, I've seen people use them as the Bible. Yeah. And I, I'm not gonna be one of them.
0: So well, that was what the Protestants did a lot. Yeah. They would, they would have like certain versions of commentaries that they would like revere like, as, basically, as highly as the Bible itself. Now, um. As far as what you were
2: saying about how um, when you were asking God about different names or whatever, you you said you really had to like concentrate and like focus on it. So when I first was asking God to show me, like I wanted to see like visions and I wanted to hear his voice, I wanted to dream dreams, I wanted all that stuff. I'm like, if these things happened before and you're the same God yesterday, today and forever, you can do it again and you should be able to do it so why aren't you and I'm like I'm wanting it I'm going to be looking for it you should give it to me well when I finally did fir- get my first one then it was very very difficult because I had to keep concentrating so hard and I was like god why do I have to concentrate so hard it's like am I just like I was like trying to like wonder if like i was like making making it up or something my brain was going in overdrive but it, like basically i'll tell you guys the stuff that i saw some other time but it was stuff that like i couldn't come up with if i wanted to because it wasn't anything i've ever seen before uh, but regardless um he actually brought me to daniel and showed me some verses in daniel that helped me understand that and it's directly applicable to what you were saying as well um, so, in Daniel 7, it says that uh, Daniel had dream, had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed, and he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heavens strove upon the great sea, and the four great beasts came up from the sea, the first one from another, the first was like a lion, had eagle wings, I beheld. I beheld till so the wings thereof were plucked and it was lifted from the earth and made the to stand on the feet and behold blah blah, blah, blah blah. and then like basically as it goes on he says after this I beheld after this I beheld and then I beheld until this thing and you look it up in other translations and basically it says instead of beheld they'll be like I looked and I kept looking and I kept looking and I, I looked even to the point as this thing happened And then I continued to look. So it was not like he, it was just given to him and it was like this thing that just, it was there and he had no effort that he had to put in himself. He purposefully had to decide to keep looking and keep looking and keep looking. And he looked even to the point as when this other thing happened and he would not stop looking because he wanted to keep seeing what God was showing him. So, and that was like what he brought me to to like help me work through when I was like questioning, is this in my head or is this you God? And that like made everything make sense to me. And so that was really interesting when you said that you had to like concentrate on it because that's, that is literally the case when yeah. God is like revealing something to you, especially when you're not used to it. It, it is very difficult. Um, it's, it's a, comp- because you're, You're using your spiritual self and not your physical body, which is very different than what
1: you can like feel it.
2: Yeah, it's really weird because your physical or your spiritual body is more real than your physical body, as weird as that sounds. But the problem is, is that we are so used to taking only our physical senses and ignoring our spiritual senses. But the spiritual senses are exactly the same as our physical ones. And they have to be trained just like your physical ones. So if you weren't, if you didn't work out ever in your physical body, well, you're going to be pretty weak. If you never did anything and you just sat around all the time, you'd be pretty weak. If you never opened your eyes, every time you opened your eyes, you'd be blind for a while. And it would probably be really blurry. It's exactly the same in the spiritual world. You have to use those parts of your body in the spiritual world to do those same things. But you can do it and everybody can do it. It's not like a particular thing for one person. It does take a lot of time and a lot of practice and help from God because if if you're not, if you're using your spiritual body and you're not in line with God, then you're basically, you're just seeing into the spirit world and interacting with it. But God is not the only spiritual being. There are lots of other spiritual beings, angels and demons. And that's, a very dangerous route if you don't have God to help protect you through that, especially when you're first learning. So that's why when people dabble in witchcraft, it's really, really, really dangerous because not only are you oftentimes experiencing, experiencing the spiritual world for the first time and you're like opening your spiritual senses, but then on top of that, you're purposefully filling it with demons and you're allowing them to have access to you. 100 percent so that is really 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 dangerous but if you have god with you and he's teaching you and you want him to teach you he will and that's something that you just have to slowly work through and it comes at different paces with everybody but that is something that he wants us all to do he wants us to be able to hear him for ourselves and no one can convince me otherwise <laughs> so I, I 100% believe that God wants, and not only wants us to hear him, but he does speak to every single person, regardless if they are saved or not. I 100 and that's why people will have like hunches that save their life. Because God does want people to be saved, does want them to be happy, does want them to like experience good things. Because all good things come from the Father above. And he wants those four people regardless. And he will talk to them. So that's just something that we just need to learn and accept as the body of Christ, that not only is it something that exists, but it's something that we should practice and learn because otherwise we're not utilizing the tools that God has given us. And I think that's super, super important. And on another note, completely different, um, I didn't even realize we were recording anything until you sent the message the other day in the chat and I think that we should actually put it on a podcast.
1: That was literally what I was thinking today.
0: I I thought about that. I, yesterday. I was thinking about that today too. <laughs> yeah, so I, thought, I thought about it that seems yesterday. So,
1: that uh, that's a yes from God.
0: Because
2: even even if even if nobody watched it, which who cares if people watch it for one just
1: one yeah. person
2: watched it well yeah even even so even yeah. if nobody did oh yeah it's, it's something Obviously. that we can like look back on and be like oh yeah that was super cool let me find that one thing again or if we if somebody missed one they could listen to it or if um oh, so we've had like a lot of different instances where god told us something and then we share it here if that if that's something that hasn't happened yet and it happens someday, then we can have proof of that and look back on it.
0: Yeah. Very true.
2: So that's all stuff apart from it having impact on potentially any other person.
1: I'm not even gonna lie. I remember last, last, um, what was it, Friday, where I was like, Bryce, don't use my vanilla ice cream. I can't, I can't run out of it. Do you remember that? When you were making Ben his concrete?
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I prayed, and I was like, God, please don't let me run out vanilla ice cream. And I didn't run on vanilla ice cream. There you go. <laughs> I, just, well, I just thought, I was like, I didn't pray over, like, the littlest things. Like, yeah. I'm like, please let me run, let me get through this green light. And then I do. But yeah. I'm like, it's just the little things, you know? <laughs> yeah.
2: But, I mean, that's that's literally what he wants us to do. He wants us to have, like, those day-to-day conversations <clears throat> with us. Because, like, it's a, it's a relationship. It's not... Mm-hmm it's not like we just talk to him when we need something or we have like a problem or or whatever because that is not a relationship and it's super shallow and he's not going to honor that in the same way so if we want to have like any type of intimacy with him we have to incorporate him into just our day-to-day life and just talk to him about like whatever even if we're mad at him and that's what I that goes back to the first thing that we talked about when we first did our um our Bible study thing. Um where we just talked about how even if things are going wrong or things aren't the way they should be or you're having a problem and you need God's help or you even think that you're that it's God's fault, even if it's that and you want to just blame God for a while, yeah, tell him Like tell him literally anything, literally, literally anything, even if it's bad and you're even accusing him, just tell it to him because he's going to help you work through it. And he's not going to like hold it against you. And he's going to like take that as like, okay, so he actually brought this thing. He or she brought this thing to my attention and they're really concerned about it. And they actually are treating me as a real person and I'm going to help them through this thing. He's not, and it's, it's basically like if you went to like a parent or whatever and like we're like talking about them, but, and they, but they saw past the, the anger in the moment and saw that you were needing help and then they knew that they needed to help you. That's basically what it is. So he's never going to just completely disregard you because you are upset. And this is not how it works. But yeah, so bringing him into this like little little parts of your life is the way
0: to go. So basically, when we came back. It was like 2:30 ish, and I was praying up until like 6:30 ish, uh, almost 7 in the morning. Uh, and I'll be honest, there was parts of it where I was getting so tired that I wasn't sure if I was really like fully functional. But for most of it, what I did, because I'm like, I felt like God was just telling me to just just pray all night. I'm like, alright, I guess I'll try. It. I've heard a lot of people say it's like a really it's a really powerful experience. Just like just basically be framed the entire night. And uh it's kinda interesting how it usually provides for energy for you the next day as well. But uh anyway, so that's what I decided to do. And uh, uh what to help guide me, I actually went back to a video Marcus posted a while ago called the, the God Talks video. Mm-hmm. Wait, and, uh, what? You did can, that? Yes. So then I'm like, all right, that sounds like a good way to guide me. So uh, if, for those of you who didn't watch it, there's like two questions you kind of ask. And you, you write this all down so that way you can kind of remember and look back at it. Uh, so there's two questions you ask. And there's always about like these like, – they give you like a few like pre-made topics to be about, but it can be about anything. And obviously the questions can be anything too. It just – these just help you kind of think about certain things to ask God. So, like, the, the question is, like, ones are, like, for lies, and it's, like, what lies do I believe about blank? And then the other one is, what's true about blank? And it's the same thing for each question. So, uh, I started with me. So, what lies do I believe about myself? Uh, what's true about myself? And then, I did, and then I did the same thing for God, actually. And those, I think, for the, uh, oh, and uh, I did some about past. Those are the ones I actually ended up getting to because I just kind of were like so focused on these for so long, and it took me a while to really help distinguish what was what God was telling me and what I was just thinking about too. And I really wanted to make sure I was getting it right as well, like, even though I know God would obviously not care if I if like it, it was about my relationship with God, right? And I wasn't like trying to write down these are the words from God right now, but like so it wouldn't it's not like the biggest deal if I messed up, but. I still thought I should try to be as diligent as possible. That's all I got through this time. I want to start doing more topics as well and get through a few more of them at certain points. But – so I started with what lies do I believe about myself? And I I felt this was the answer, that you have to try so hard in order to be accepted that you can't be forgiven for past sins and, and addictions. So, uh, Addictions. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm single drug headed Guys, sorry to say. Wow, me, but... what do I not know about? Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's referring to because like this is obviously my mind. So like, like, uh, like he's tell, he's telling me this, and when I, when I hear that, I think of just like. Sin like habitual sins, you know, like sins you you would do yeah. like constantly, and I I don't really even have them anymore. <laughs> but like not not least like to the same degree as I used to. But I know even as like a, a younger Christian, I would have certain sins that I would be so I, I just would keep doing them, not really even thinking about it, or or just just little things even, and uh, mm-hmm. and that I don't have to uh, to like try so hard. To, to like be accepted and forgiven about those things. And I, I need to be able to forgive myself because I can be forgiven to for those things. And I think the biggest thing is a lot of people don't do. They don't forgive themselves. Mm-hmm. God forgives them if they, if they ask for it right away. But we don't always forgive ourselves and we hold our own grudge against ourselves. And are like, and that's what dumps a lot of people with their relationship with God, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was really cool. Uh, and then, uh, uh, what's true about myself and he said he said you are loved and cared for in every way uh nothing more is needed to fill that void you will be a good father i will always be there to help you with any questions you have i thought that was that's awesome. really cool so <laughs> and yeah right. he, he thought
5: he wasn't gonna be a good dad he said that and i was like that's not true and now this
4: it's not true Yeah.
0: Yeah. me. Right. I certainly got wrecked. (laughs) (laughs) And then I asked, uh, "What lies do I believe about God?" And uh, he he said that you haven't already felt me and heard my voice. You think I don't remember or or miss our conversations? Uh, And then uh, I got like a like an image in my head, and it was the image of me what was it, like 10 years ago? Uh, walking around wearing a Superman costume. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I remember I, I remember this moment. Because I always think back on it so fondly. And I don't know why. Because I was all alone that day. Like, no one else was around me. I think either they were in the basement or they were gone that day. I don't really remember. But uh, I was... I think no one wanted to play with me like with the, the costumes or whatever. So like, and I was like all dressed up wanting to do Superman stuff or whatever, but no one wanted to do it with me. So I I was bummed out. Yeah. Mark probably is too cool. But, uh, but I, so I was kind of like, like, I was a little bit bummed out, but I remember pacing back and forth. Like right when you like walk into the main living room of my parents' house, like I, I, walking back and forth it was the middle of the day so that the sun would shine through that little window and like like make a pattern and because because uh, you know when you look down on things kind of follow patterns with your mind like like, like, <laughs> like I, I, remember, I remember walking around like the sun spots like where the sun was hitting but i the whole time i was just talking to god and i was so little that i did i didn't really know what i was doing or why i was doing that was like the coolest part Cause I was just talking. I was just telling him about things. I'm like, like oh, and I was gonna do this and that, but like, oh, and like, I, I was thinking about this and like, and I, I was just, I was just going. And I don't even remember half the things I said, but like, I was just ranting about everything that I could think of. And now that is one of like the coolest experiences. And he, he said that he don't doesn't think <laughs> that I don't think. Sorry, that he says I think that I he doesn't miss our conversations, and that's the image that popped in my head when he said he missed uh, that moment, and that's pretty awesome. So uh, I thought that was that's really cool. Really cool. Uh, and then I I asked what's true about you, and the first things I heard was I am the alpha and the ome- and omega, uh, the beginning and the end. And he's like, uh, hmm. <clears throat> how what did I right there? <laughs> <laughs>
1: This is probably around oh, 3 o'clock in the morning. morning.
0: Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you can tell my handwriting is actually getting progressively worse. <laughs>
1: oh, no,
0: said, uh, there can be a word. <laughs> oh, they say. oh,
4: this is in cursive, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he actually wanted to do the position charts in cursive.
0: I didn't. I thought you said he did. No.
4: Okay.
0: I just said, if I did, it yeah, would technically so, be better handwriting right. because i my handwriting is actually better in cursive, but a lot of people can't read cursive as well, yeah, I so it's said. still so it's still not like very helpful, so that's why I don't do it that way uh but i think I think it
5: says
0: uh yeah it roughly <laughs> says uh <coughs> my I think it's my my word should not be taken lightly but feared uh also i want to i want to be someone you can always talk to so i'm like i'm i really have to look at that word a little closer because i think that's important but I, i'll have to check it again later but, but uh but yeah so that that's it's a bit more standard stuff and that that but it still was like it felt very personal to me at the time especially mm. and it was it was very cool <clears throat>
5: uh
0: and and that was the one that came like the quickest to me for some reason. It's just like all of a sudden he just like uh, he basically just like I am the oven and I'm like almost struggling to like to. I think that's why I got sloppy because I was struggling to keep up. Like, I just felt like he was telling me this so fast. I'm like oh, and then, like, <laughs> like you can tell the beginning. I think it's missing like like half its words, but I can just I can tell half it's scribbled enough. Half its half, half, words. Yeah, half its words, half <laughs> its letters, because uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> because I can I I can barely. Barely tell is beginning, yeah. but there's enough there to tell. Uh, but anyways, and then the, the only other one I got to was, oh, what lies do I believe about the past? And uh, he said that what I did before can't be done again. The past is is never out of reach for me. What he said. I love that.
5: I think the whole.
0: I'm glad we're talking
5: about this more and more. The whole putting God in your everyday life as much as you can because He should be there just to talk like any other person. Mm-hmm. You should be able to treat Him that way it is really important. And ever yeah. since the incident, I've been doing that, honestly, more than I ever have before because it just, I don't know, that was put on me so much after that happened that I should be doing that. It just, it was just out of nowhere. It's just like God started talking to me. And I knew I needed to keep talking back. And I needed to start a conversation with them. I needed to be able to talk to them and feel like this is normal because it shouldn't mm-hmm. be. And, like, for example, like, I was talking to him a lot on the way home. And just little things, like, asking him, just, like, keep me sane enough and okay mentally enough to be capable of driving me and Joel all the way home. Yeah, that's hours, a big one. And, I mean, we got home safely. And quickly up to it felt like but like just the stuff like that and it really helps it really shows that
0: he's there and of helping with all little things absolutely yeah. mm-hmm. um, yeah. that's huge honestly so obviously I have more that I can do but it's like it doesn't really matter how many of them you do it's it's cool and I think the the, the biggest topics that in my opinion are the coolest are the me and god one uh, because like those, are, those were the most powerful for me But I know Marcus got some really cool answers for, like, what lies and truths we believe about his future, and that was, like, a big one to him as well. Uh, uh, So I want to go in in depth about that as well. And, like, obviously, this is not us. I know Marcus made this clear in his video, so I'll just kind of restate it. Uh, This is not us saying, like, this is how you talk to God. This is the only way to talk to God. This is the only way to get answers from God. It's not, but it is a tangible method that you can use to get a- answers from God. And if you and it, it's like you guys were saying before, you really have to focus on them. You, it takes effort. You have to try and think about about okay, I want to hear your answer, and you have to really dig deep into it. And the more you let yourself dig deep into like thought and or, and and what his answer is, the clearer his answer will be to you. And, and uh, the more sometimes you'll get out of it. Yeah. So. It is really something about focus and determination, and you have to be willing to put in the effort, too. It's not just up to God to reach out to us. We have to reach out to him, too. Because you know, he's ready. He's, he's been t- talking to us. We're just not listening. In the Bible, it says, seek and
2: you will find. It's not a question of, like, if you will or maybe you might. No. You will find him if you seek him. That is undeniable, it is one hundred percent the truth. Yep. And it, there's no way to even misinterpret it. It's pretty stinking obvious. So it it may take longer than one might like, but if you seek him, you will find him. And that's just that's
0: the reality. That that is the honest truth. That that's all. That's all I really had to share. And I and I guess maybe God. Because I had this for a while, and now since we've been meeting, but I think maybe he wanted it to be uh, re- recorded and that's why I kind of waited mm-hmm. it this time or man, I guess it would have been recorded last time too but I didn't even know it was <laughs> So, uh, but yeah it, and I, I knew I had to share this here eventually I just didn't know exactly when and I felt like this was the time to do it so mm-hmm.